It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube where you see me and the uh, chair just pluming of smoke of where Linnell used to be. That's a crazy take by Linnell, by the way. Which which one? The one where he said he'd be willing to give up three first to move up one spot. No, like I'm just not that... That I like, a, and to be very clear, like sometimes I feel like when we do segments like that, or like we take calls and people are like, oh, you hate this guy. Or like I, I say someone's not the worst ever. And it's like, oh, you love him. And then you get some really weird comments on the internet. Um, and it's like, no, I actually really like Caleb Williams. I think he's a pretty special talent. Um, the running around stuff is crazy. But and it looks a lot like Mahomes in college, but it also looks a lot like Kyler Murray in college. And it, unless you like, you can't guarantee that he's gonna be Mahomes. And that's the thing is like mm-hmm. Mahomes' perfect muse is Andy Reid. He is a non-compromising, incredibly gifted offensive coach who believes in throwing the football a ton in the ways that Pat is great at. And also, he unlocks the creativity that Pat has. You know, they, they let Pat and Travis and all those guys, like, have their little play period, and they come up with the crazy, like, spinorama, ring-around-the-rosy type plays. Like, that kind of stuff is important for Patrick's development and to keep it interesting and to keep things fresh. And, like, they have built the perfect Mahomes system in Kansas City, but because he's the featured part, no one's like, oh, he's a system quarterback. Like, no, Mahomes probably would have been really good wherever um, because he's also a competitive dog. But, like, he's optimized in Kansas City. And it's really hard for me to, especially now, looking at a potential defensive head coach hire, to feel good about having that muse for Caleb Williams if I'm going to give up a bunch of stuff. And especially, like, when the roster's not that good. And, like, I just think it's a lot better bet in the NFL to try to build the NFC way versus the AFC way if you look at the championship games this weekend. Give me Brock Purdy or Jared Goff, and I realize they were taken on literal opposite ends of the draft. But give me not, like, if you get the elite quarterback, amazing. But there have been two guys since 1998 that are literal sure shots. Peyton Manning. And Andrew Luck. Those two are on a different level of category uh, than everyone else. Like, Trevor Lawrence, sure thing. Like, he wasn't Luck. And we see now that there are flaws there. That there, he might he's, he might wind up being one of the best, but, like, may not. Um, I think Burrow was seen as a pretty surefire thing after the year he had at LSU, but there were some questions, and... Burrow, when healthy, has been every bit as advertised, so maybe he gets to join that club. And the thing is, like, Luck, obviously, even then, he was great whenever he played. They won whenever he played, but injuries and and life took over, and and that didn't really even work out for Indy in the way that that anyone thought. Um, So I I think that this idea that you're trying, like, you have to get the guy because that solves all your problems – the history of the league says, like, that caliber of guy, there's an element of luck involved. Because, like, who are the five best quarterbacks ever? How many of them went 1-1 overall? Like, Manning did. Brady went in the sixth. Mahomes went 11th. Like, 
it's hard. It's really hard. But what's easier is finding a guy that's really good, really good, Jared Goff good, and saying we can build around him, which means you don't give up multiple first-round picks. Because guess what? When you Let's say on those first-round picks, you only go one of three, but that one is Nick Bosa or Aiden Hutchinson. Like, that changes your whole defense. So the idea that, like, oh, you can do it without first-round picks and by missing, okay, but that means you also have to hit. It's not like they whiffed entirely. They went zero for zero. Brandon Ayuk was a first-round pick in San Francisco when Peters was there. He was awesome. They also used first-round picks to trade for Christian McCaffrey. Pretty important detail there. So I just, I think that it's very silly to think that you can just trade everything for Caleb Williams and think that a young quarterback is going to solve all your problems. No. Stay where you're at. If you can get him for this year and next year's first, one spot in next year, and shoot, even if you want to unload a vet like John Allen, fine. You give up more than one first or more than more than two picks, really? I'm like, get the hell out of here. We ain't doing that. We got too many things we got to worry about. All right, of course, news of the day is that Lions OC Ben Johnson is returning to Detroit. Uh, we will... Get more reaction on that. And then Wizards guard Tyus Jones joins us at 6.30 on the Hoffman Show. Your call's next, 301-230-0980. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wizards guard Tyus Jones going to join us coming up in 10 minutes. We got time for a couple of calls here at 301-230-0980. Your reaction to the news of the day that... uh, Ben Johnson's not coming to D.C. Uh, He's not going anywhere. He's going to the Detroit Lions to be their offensive coordinator, uh, which is, I would say, uh, fairly unexpected because, Anthony, you just just don't turn down head coaching jobs in the NFL two years in a row. What was your reaction today besides, oh, my God, I guess we know what we're talking about today. Uh, What was your reaction to the news? (laughs) Uh, I had three, like, little takeaways. Um, I think you guys hit on most of them, but – we had a caller, Glenn. He he ended up um, dropping before he could um, get his call in. Sorry, Glenn. But he has said uh, he believes. Um, I mean, he said Ben Johnson uh, wanted to stay in uh, in Detroit because he wanted to win a Super Bowl. I think, or oh, that was the reporting. And I just don't fully buy it. Um, I I think Ben Johnson not wanting to be in Washington or uh, Seattle was the more uh, determining factor. Or, quite simply, they weren't, you know, as sold on, you know, Johnson as the, the 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 top guy. But I think it was the former for sure. He just – I don't think he was necessarily ready um, for the moment and things of that nature. Um, and then also, I just think the fact that he turned it down two years in a row is pretty interesting, even though, you know, we just had Brent come on and say it probably won't affect his future too much. But this is probably the, the hottest his name is going to be in terms of, you know, being a head coach in the league, you know, coming off of a year where they his team um, went to the NFC title game. So I just, I don't know, I, I didn't, I, I was thoroughly surprised, to be honest. Yeah, I was stunned. Um, it's just the idea that he would turn, like, that this would be the outcome. Did I always think there was a chance he could go somewhere else? Yeah. But I think that he would wind up without a job by his choice? Like, no, that seemed crazy. Um, I think for me, 
it feels like he didn't want it. And mm-hmm. the like hey, he just got his bluff called. Um, I do think that ultimately this doesn't hurt him long term. And I know that feels crazy today because the headline is bad and like the the posturing I don't mean, it's not even the posturing, the what's the word I'm looking for? The the optics are really bad of Washington is on the plane to go interview him and then they he is like, no, never mind. Um, I don't know why I just made him sound like that. He said, no, never mind. And, you know, now they're they're stuck interviewing Aaron Glenn um, as if that's a bad thing to do. But I, I, I just think that next year, if he's like, hey, I'm ready, like I'm definitely I'm taking a job. Um, I'm let's do this. Then he he's going to wind up with that job. Uh, next year and, and someone else will want to hire him if the offense is as good as it could potentially be next year. Another year with Jameer Gibbs, another year with Sam Laporta and all of the other guys that are still under contract. And that's the thing is like he's going back to somewhere that has a lot of continuity. It's not like he's going back to an offense that's losing key pieces. Like I don't even know if they have any. I think some of their offensive linemen are potential free agents, like they're guards. But if the biggest thing you're going to miss is your guards, you can – get good guards in the draft and free agency, or you could spend some money and re-sign them, but they don't, they're not losing them on Ross St. Brown. They're not losing Jameer Gibbs. They're not losing Jared Goff. So why wouldn't you go back for another year? If you genuinely think that's what you want to do and you're not blown away with the jobs uh, for whatever reason. And I, I just, I really, Anthony, where I'm at is like, I want to know what happened in the zoom interview, whether on his end and what he thought and what Adam Peters and, Bob Myers and Josh Harris and all and Rick Spielman thought because that to me is seems seems like a pretty important data point that like if he came out of an interview having questions maybe that's why he ultimately is not is not going for it um or did they come out with questions about him and he could sense it and he's like I don't know maybe I blew it and then he's like oh let me just go back yeah, I mean, I, I would think it was the former in terms of he probably had questions about Washington um, because I don't think the money thing was an issue. Uh, you know, there was reports he wanted like $15 million a year or something like that, which is a little absurd for a head coach. But if you truly believe in a guy, then you're going to pay whatever it takes to, you know, get the guy. And I think uh, Josh would have been more than willing to, you know, give him the money, especially – if he's hell bent on, you know, trying to turn around this franchise and he believes he's the right guy for the uh, the job. So I think it was more so on Johnson, you know, having questions about being here in Washington. And uh, it just goes back to the point um, that I had made uh, a little earlier. I think it was just, you know, Josh not necessarily one to be in Seattle and not necessarily one to be in Washington. He probably didn't like the, the situations. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it is just there was nowhere he could go where he's yeah. just comfortable and he doesn't, you know, he, he could – Imagine his last 48 hours, right? Like, look at the criticism uh-huh. that Dan Campbell's taken. And maybe he's just like, I don't think that I'm ready for that. And if he's not ready, he would be doing a disservice to take the job. Because there's there's so much. I mean, this happens in, like, the NBA with contracts all the time, right? Is dudes, you know, the advice is always take the money and figure it out later. And dudes yeah. sign contracts, and then they want to force trades two years in. Everyone's like, they signed a contract. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, but, like, I knew I could get traded. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't have signed the contract. And, like, Ben Johnson, principled man that he might he appears to be, didn't sign the contract. So, good for Ben Johnson. Like, if that's really the case, um, 
to have the self-awareness to go, this ain't for me right now. I'm not, I'm not up for it. Um, obviously, the bigger story really starting now and moving forward, and you know, who knows, tomorrow could be the day, is where do the commanders go? And I think that question is pretty massive, obviously. Uh, the most important question we have the entire offseason outside of who was the general manager, which got answered very quickly. Um, we've talked about it a lot today, uh, gotten a lot of different perspectives, had a great first hour's worth of calls. You can check all of that on our podcast feed, the Hoffman Show podcast, up right now. Check out that 4 o'clock hour for my thoughts off the top of the show uh, and uh, plenty of other thoughts dispersed within calls uh, throughout that first hour on our Vibe Check Tuesday. When we get back, though, Wizards guard Tyus Jones joins us. Two straight wins for the Zardos. Played his brother last night. Uh, plus, I will. I do want to ask him, uh, so what's it like playing against Victor Wimanyama? All 17-8 of him. Uh, we'll ask Tyus all of that and, of course, about new coach Brian Keefe and this two-game winning streak that the Zardos are on next on your home for Wizards basketball, the Team 980. The Hoffman Show here on the Team 980, of course, your home for Wizards basketball. And joining us now is the point guard of a team on a two-game winning streak. That's right, your Washington Wizards. Uh, and Tyus Jones is with us. Uh, Tyus, appreciate your time, man. And for you, uh, that game last night, uh, extra special. You get to play against your brother, uh, which, by the way, second time in 10 days uh, that you guys played the Spurs. Is, is that fun for you getting to play, Trey? Is it nerve-wracking? Like, you're just uh, you're nervous about your parents, like, you know, having to, to pick a, a side on that given night? Or what's it like for you playing your brother? Oh, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it's very enjoyable. It's, um, you know, I've said it before. It's always, um, you know, those are, you know, moments you dream of. Um you know, as, as kids growing up, playing in the backyard, playing in the house, things like that, just, you know, playing in, in the NBA. Um, but for them to, to really come come to fruition, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a dream come true. And so every time we get a chance to, to share the floor, uh, we just really embrace that, enjoy it, um, savor it, um, just, just not take it for granted. Uh, but the family, yeah, I think the family – gets to enjoy it. We have a bunch of family that comes to the game. We get to match up against each other. and Our mom's probably the, the one who takes it, who gets the most, um, you know, worked up about it. Um, just being, having to, to uh, you know, you, you're not playing, playing sides. Um, but at the same time, she enjoys it as well, just because she knows, you know, how blessed we are to be in that situation. No doubt, but it's got to be hard when you guys are both starting and, like, you're guarding each other. Like, there's no... Like, oh, you can root for Tyus on one end and Trey on the other. Like, when y'all are guarding each other, that's that's got to be brutal on mom. No, oh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's either cheering for every every bucket of the game, or she's <laughs> kind of just not cheering at all, just sitting there enjoying the game. So yeah, it's it's got to be a little a little stressful for her. For sure. Um, now, of course, you guys uh, in playing the Spurs also playing Victor Wimbanyama, and he did a couple things in the game last night that just like normal sized human beings, even NBA sized human beings can't do that block that he had with the two hands. And, um, you know, he, he had that one fast break layup where you were chasing him down. I was rooting for you on the chase down block, bro. I'm, I'm got, <laughs> you know, we were, we were waiting for it. And he just kind of placed the ball in the basket. Like when you're in the NBA, yeah. you see a lot of crazy stuff, but the stuff that he's doing, I don't want to say for his age, cause it's not really about how old he is, but when you watch him, like how different is it? Um, it's unreal. Honestly, there's, uh, I haven't seen anything like him. Um, ever when it comes to basketball, and I think a lot of other people will tell you the same thing. Just 
um, at his size, um, the you know the length you know that he has, but also his skill set. He's putting the ball on the ground. He's shooting. He his you know his movements are fluid. Uh, so it's he's really just you know one of one, and it's 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 really impressive and kind of crazy um, how he's able to you know do so many different things on the court so well and and kind of dominate and for it being his rookie year um you know it's kind of scary to think about uh what his what his ceiling could be because he's only going to improve and get better and, you know learn the game the nba game more and figure out his his style of play even more and continue to hone in on his crafts and his and his skill set so it's it's unreal um and then obviously you know seeing it in person, um, of close and personal rather than, um, on TV. Um, it just really puts in perspective, like, you know, how tall he is and how crazy the things he's doing on the court is that the, the, the ground he covers, things like that. So my favorite still, I think is when Joel passed him a couple of weeks ago. And of course, Joel went on to score 70 in that game. So it turned out just fine for him. But he, when Joel Embiid walks past you and kind of gives you that look like that's a big dude, like, that's a big dude because uh, Joel yeah. <laughs> every bit of seven. Joel is not small. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, Tyus Jones, Wizards point guard, is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, so obviously uh, on the home side of things, uh, a couple of games now with Brian Keefe taking over for Wes. What has he brought to you guys? What's been the difference these last couple of games? Uh, you know, obviously that first one, it's the second of a back-to-back. So I don't know how much really felt different that first night. But him having a couple of days here to, to put his imprint on it and change and tweak, what has been the difference for Brian and, and what have you made of him as a coach? Yeah, Brian is awesome. Uh, you know, just a, a straightforward, straight shooter. Um, you know, just gen- very genuine guy. Uh, so everyone, um, you know, from top to bottom in the organization respects him and um, was happy for him to, you know, for him getting this opportunity is something he worked, you know, he's worked for. Uh, so everyone supported, you know, him in, in that decision. Um, but what he just brings to the table is he's just very blunt. Um, he's a no-nonsense type of guy, a little more old school, I would say, um, for um, kind of this generation of basketball, um, just a little more hard-nosed, uh, you know, tougher, a tougher coach. He's going to, you know, he's he's calling guys out. He's holding guys to a a very high standard, you know, accountability wise. And that's just something that we, you know, we kind of needed at this, at this moment. Um, and it's been, you know, you know, supported, it's been, um, you know, taken very well by everybody. And, uh, we're going to continue to try to build the build on that. It's been a, a good couple first, you know, first few games and, um, yeah, just trying to implement kind of his schemes and his philosophies and stuff. It's, it's hard to do middle of the season. Uh, but I think he's doing a good job of kind of, slowly integrating his system and his his schemes and his verbiage and stuff like that um you know because it is tough to do you know in the full full swing of the season but it's kind of a fluid situation so um he's doing well he's got everyone's support and everyone's following his lead so I was uh, going back, Tyus, because I remember when we talked uh, in, in the bowels of Capital One Arena on Media Day during the preseason, and we were talking about leadership and that word accountability. I was going back and listening to that interview because I remember we had stuck a pin in, in a couple of things. And it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to go back and listen to the thoughts from the preseason because you talked about the challenge of leading and coming in for a new group and how you had found this this nice balance for yourself as a leader 
in Memphis, uh, especially, and, and even since, you know, at that point playing pickup games and stuff here where you were able to push people and you talked about accountability and that maybe there were even times that not all your teammates were going to like you. So when you talk about this stuff with Brian, I, I'm assuming for you, there's been some challenges in trying to get everybody where, you know, and you guys and you and Coos and everybody's talked about this. So this is not like spilling state secrets here, but, um, and, and the record is what it is. So I, I'm curious for you what the challenge has been like leading this year because everyone around the team seems to feel like there's a lot more in this team than the record has shown. Yeah, 100%. We don't we feel like our record doesn't really represent who we are as a team or who the, you know, who we have in that locker room. Um and I think going back to even, you know, preseason um, or into the summer like we thought um going into the year, um you know, we just held ourselves to a much much higher standard and what we envisioned the season would look like. So, um, you know, that part had been frustrating and, um, you know, kind of difficult to navigate just, you know, when you're not winning games, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of weight, a lot of frustration, you know, and different things that come with that. Um, and so we just kind of looked at this, um, you know, as a, you know, almost like a fresh start, you know what I mean? I know you're, you're halfway through the season, your record is what it is. Other teams, you know, record is what it is. You're, you know, where we're at in the standings, um, whatever it may be. But um, we try to just look at it as like a fresh start. Let's let's continue to try to build. Let's let's start to build something, you know, fresh and new here um, and just show that, you know, we're, we aren't that team that we have been the first, you know, whatever it was, 41, 42 games of the year. And let's, uh, you know, start to, you know, try to put together some good basketball here, build some good habits the last um, – you know, 38, 37 games of the, of the season. And that's, uh, I think we're off to a, a pretty good start. Ties, um, I can, doing that. yeah, I can now tell you definitely don't listen to the show because if you're, if you're worried about getting math correct on this show, this is the wrong show for that. So whatever number of games <laughs> you said is, is apt, whatever Tyus says, everybody that is good on the number of games. <laughs> we do not do math on this show. Um, one more, one more thing on this. Uh, and then I want to ask you about, uh, I want to ask you about Marvin, uh, who's come over and done such a good job for you to wrap things up on a high note here. But you know, I, I guess the question, Tyus, who I would ask is like, what was the disconnect? Because everyone says the right things. Now the leaders are saying the right things. And it seems like you guys have such a good group. And yet the accountability wasn't there. And the, the things that you guys are trying to correct now with Brian weren't happening with Wes. And it's not like you guys didn't like Wes. Everybody loves Wes as a person. So I, I don't know if it's something you can put your finger on in the middle of a season or it's something where if we talk next summer, you'll be able to have a better feel for it. But like, what, where was that disconnect, do you think, over that first 40-whatever games it was? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I can, I can, like you said, put my finger on one specific thing. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just think, again, it's a, it's a probably a combination of, of a few things. I don't know if, whether it was the buy-in, um, you know, from one through 15, I don't know if the buy-in was completely there with everything we were doing. I don't know if, I mean, obviously when you're not winning games, um, and you're, and you're losing, that starts to take a toll um, in, you know, the process of building and continuing to try to take steps forward as a team, uh, not only individually, but as a team and as a unit. And so some of, some of the, you know, negative habits, I think, start to creep in um, when you're not winning, winning a lot of games or not winning as many, as much as, 
as everyone was hoping. Uh, so I think it was just kind of a combination of things, and I don't think it's necessarily one specific thing. But, again, sometimes it just gets to the point where there just needs to be a, kind of a new voice, um, you know, leading the charge and a new voice up front, but, you know, for guys to kind of, you know, follow and uh, get on board with. And that's just, I think, where we, we got to. We got to that point in the season, and um, – it's not not saying Wes isn't a good coach or or is a bad guy or anything like that. Like you said, it's just I think it's a combination of things and the situation and kind of where where we were at as a team and as an organization. And um, all you can do is uh, you know tip your cap uh, to Wes and wish him you know well in the in the future. And I know he's sticking around with the organization um, in the front office role, so he's still trying to. Uh, you know, help us improve just in a, in a different facet. And, uh, you know, we're following, you know, a new voice now um, as far as, you know, uh, B. Keith goes. And um, we're going to, again, try to look at it as, as kind of like a new, you know, new, new start for us and try to build something here the last couple months of the season. Yeah, no doubt. Sometimes that's pro basketball. All right, last thing for Tyus yeah. Jones. Uh, your fellow Duke guy, Marvin Bagley, comes over. He's been fantastic. Um, obviously, the depth behind Gaff was, was an issue, and so you addressed that on a team level. But what's, what's it been like for you? I'm guessing you've known Marvin for a while. Um, so, like, what's it been like for you to see him succeed where, you know, obviously as a former number two pick, his career probably hasn't gone how he's wanted, but he's, he seems to be thriving here in D.C. What's that been like to watch? Um, it's been amazing. It's been awesome to watch and to see uh, the early success that he's had here. Um, again, it's, uh, you know, sometimes in this, in this you know, business, it's just situational. It's, it's you know, what's going on, where you're currently at. It's opportunity-based. Um, there's so many different factors that play into things that um, sometimes, you know, a new, a new start is, is best for people. Um, are best for teams and and i think you know for him that's a it's a prime example of that he's came over here and it's not like all of a sudden um he got new basketball skills you know what right. i mean so it's yeah. like he's 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 you know had this um in the tank and um it's just uh, a little bit better situation for him so far um and he's energized by it and ready for the opportunity you know since the day he got here and he just wanted to you know play basketball um and try to help impact winning um and for me you know obviously I've, I've known him for a little while now and i've seen you know the talent and what he's capable of so just trying to help him get acclimated uh, as quickly as and best as possible uh, from my standpoint um but also he's just you know brought you know kind of a, a jolt of, of energy to the team um just his style of play um what he brings you know to the to the table um and then he's also yeah just added some some you know needed depth uh, to the center position, um, you know that we kind of needed all year, and so I think we're seeing the benefits of that now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Wizards next up against the Clippers Wednesday night, six forty-five pregame, seven o'clock tip here on the team nine eighty. It's Tyus Jones, everybody. Tyus, thank you for your time as always. My God, appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness, what a day! Uh, Anthony, I think this is one of those days where it just feels like we're drinking from a fire hose all day. What a bananas day and literally breaking news right up until the end of the show. Um, as I just said in trending, the Orioles have been sold to two private equity billionaires. I haven't had a chance to read John Aaron's story yet, but I've been tweet. I tweeted about it and was like, this is enormous for the nationals as well. And people were like, well, they're still owned by the learners. And like, 
Yeah, but the whole problem with the learners selling the team is it's impossible to put the value on a team when you can't sell the TV rights and they're stuck in an in-perpetuity agreement. So this, if these private equity billionaires are not hell-bent on being the same kind of people that the Angelos family was with these rights with the Nationals because they're not personally offended that Major League Baseball dare put a team in the nation's capital within their uh, their territory the way they saw it, uh, and they're willing to work with the learners to sell the Nats' rights or just be like, hey, we're good, you can have them, or whatever it is. My my. I just thinking about this for five seconds, like the favorite to buy them has been Leonsis the entire time. Obviously, we know Leonsis is trying to build a media empire with Monumental. And so if the learners and these new private equity folks and uh, the and Leonsis can get in a room and be like, okay, here's the deal. They're going to pay us X amount, learners X amount for the nationals. They're going to pay you Y amount for the TV rights, then you could see a national sale. Like, this is a huge step to unlocking the Washington Nationals and potentially getting them away from the learners, um, which is, I only say in that phrasing, because the learners have explored the sale. Um, we know whether what you think of the learners as owners. I will leave to all the rest of you Nationals baseball fans. Also, Albert Breer reported about 20 minutes ago that Bobby Slowick has... Uh, has signed an extension with the Houston Texans. So, Anthony, uh, my very faded pipe dream of Bobby Slowick as the next Sean McVay is is dead um, and thus also dies the dream of the 2013 Washington coaching photo finally having a coach in Washington. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah. It does stink. So, does that mean there's only one offensive-minded head coach or assistant coach out there or coordinator, I guess. EB? Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's not not ideal. I do think one of the things that Breer told Grant and Danny earlier that's interesting is the former player like being the hot name or the hot thing in the league right now. Mm. And, like, EB played a long time ago. I think it's more of, like, O'Connell and guys that play more recently. Aaron Glenn kind of fits that mold. He's a little bit older. He was more towards EB's era, but like kind of in the middle. Like I remember Aaron Glenn playing for the Jets. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I wonder if Glenn blows them away in the interview. If like we've been underrating Aaron Glenn the entire time. But what about, I mean, you talked about Rabel earlier. He fits that mold. I think Linnell made the best point of the day on that. Rand Carthon and Adam Peters are super tight, and Vrabel and Carthon hated each other. Well, there's that. There's that. It's a relationship business, and that's not a very good (laughs) relationship. Um, All right. uh, BetMGM tonight is next, yeah? We got no special programming on the old radio station tonight, Anthony? Oh. No Terp Sock? Nope. No nothing? BetMGM is next. Okay. And uh, how much time do we have before BetMGM? Do we have enough to do a real things? Uh, we have about 49 seconds. Oh. So yeah. we are so stacked on news that it, I don't think this is the first time ever, but it's This gotta, might be the first time, Greg. This is. Unless the breaking news with Bill and Steph. No, even on no, those even days. Even on those days. 
Here's what's going to happen, though. Like, we're going to sign off and say, and Nick Ashu's going to start talking, and then we're going to cut Nick Ashu off because they're going to hire a head coach at 702. Wow. I mean, I'll still be here. Yeah, that's that's what's been happening recently. Yeah. Um. So here's what's our, what's my out time so I don't miss it. Uh, 55.09. 55. Okay, so I got 20 seconds left. Um, If you miss any part of the show, it's been a great one. Andrew Brandt was awesome. Linnell and I uh, got, got intense. Um, and I liked our first hour of calls a lot, and it's all available for you on demand in the Hoffman Show podcast feed. So check that out, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow back here on the Team 980.